from Vegas, the first of a season-long special Wise Guy Roundtable. To my left, Maddie Holt, a bookie, but my former, former bookie. Hey, listen, just randomly, some former bookies are going to be okay. He's one of them. Steve Fezzik. I'm RJ Bell. Guys, it's Labor Day. That means we're working, and or it could mean we procrastinated but we're here, and this is going to be such an exciting show. Now, why? We're doing a full NFL preview. Oh, my God, you're thinking. That could be hours and hours. and No, it can't be because we've made a commitment. Now, I haven't decided yet. Is it going to be the power hour or the hour of power? But this year coming up, starting on Wednesday, we're going to do effectively two pods. The first pod will be literally a power hour or an hour power. Yeah, you see how that's going to go? And <laughs> indecision can be interesting. We're going to literally spend X period of time. So let's think about it for as, uh, well, let's say there's a full week, 16, or let's say 15 games, three minutes a game, Steve. I think that's about 45 minutes, right? Go. Four minutes a game. So let's say we spend four minutes a game and then we got a little intro, outro. It's going to be like an hour eight. But then we're going to say everything that's not within a couple minutes per game, we write down, and then we just keep the thing recording. We're going to do a deeper dive. Or uh, I've had some suggestions. In fact, the power hour or hour of power, that's locked in. It's one of those two. What we call the second pod, I'm open. At RJ in Vegas on Twitter, if you have a good idea, at RJ in Vegas. Today, here's what we're going to do. One minute for each of these two experts on each of the teams. Uh, 64, okay. And what else is going to be happening? We literally are doing a forced pick over under current lines on 27 of the teams. Five passes, and, you know, this is not fake money. This isn't fantasy stuff. We're not going to go crazy because it's forced. $100 cross bet. So why don't we just get started, and we'll, it will be obvious what the way the cross betting is going to work. Showtime! Woo! And why don't we start, Steve? You're the two-time Super Contest champion. I've heard that. So you just got to take the pain of that. And the pain being you go first because in theory, Matt could listen to you and decide, you know, I don't really love this. But he wrote them all down. So he would never do that. He's got gamble in him. I mean, if he's getting plus 110, he certainly get, has gamble in him. Give us your pick on the bills. You know what we should do? Let's talk the division odds after the teams. So we'll go through the four and then take a minute and say, is there any division bets we like or whatever? So with the Bills, over, under, this is with no VIG, because we bet as much as the VIG hates that, no VIG, Bills are nine over 110. So effectively, that means it'd be minus 120 to the over plus 100. That's that 20 cent straddle. We're at no VIG. What is your bet, Steve Fezzik? Like under the nine wins plus the dollar ten, it's all about main reason. Main reason: Josh Allen is overrated as a quarterback coming out of Wyoming. What was the negativity about him? Not accurate. Well, 
I looked up some next-gen stats on Josh Allen just the last two years in terms of well, what was his completion percentage and what should it have been. And he actually ranked last, not last, but in the bottom five of quarterbacks the last two years. So not just last year, but the year before, bottom five. Josh Allen is inaccurate. So even though he's got more weapons now with Diggs, I still am not a believer at all in Josh Allen. So, Matt, let me ask you this. If for Fez, if we did the math and said on average since he was 18, he's had sex once out of every 100 days of his life, <laughs> would, that, would that be fair? Or would we say, you know, Fez, since you've gotten married, how's that number? It'd be at least once out of 50, right? I mean, it'd be much better. Why would Josh Allen, his rookie year, I'm just guessing, or maybe I recall, wasn't there a quantum leap between year one and year two? Not in terms of his accuracy. So he was really, yeah, he was second worst in the league his rookie so year. This is from next gen stats. From next gen stats, as which in terms is, of expected completion. Exactly, which right? is the number that I think we all agree if they're making an assessment, hey, this pass should be completed X percent of the time, that's going to be beyond any counting stat or any advanced metric because they were looking at the film. So next to last is rookie year. And then fifth to last last year. I got it. McKenzie, take a gander at that because I saw that he was above average. Like, literally, he had a plus number. So you're saying he had a minus number. Minus 3.7 versus expected. Okay. If that's true, then my complaint is incorrect. We'll see. And your pick is? To go under. Under Bills. Maddie. Uh, I love the Bills over this year, and I actually think that – and a lot of it does – depend on Josh Allen being able to take a leap forward, but I don't think it has to be a huge leap forward. I just think he has to be a little better. By far, this is the most weapons and depth they've ever had. You don't just add Stefan Diggs. It helps free up John Brown to now, uh, you know, spread that defense around a little more. You don't just have Devin Singletary. You have another stud back in Zach Moss. I think the offensive line is solid. I think the running backs have depth and speed and lots of ability. I think the wide receiver core is great. They have good tight ends. I think if Josh Allen just makes another step forward with this defense and all the weapons on offense, Buffalo in a division that has Miami and the Jets and a Patriots team that we're not 100% sure of could very easily win 10 or 11 games this year. I think they win the AFC East. I think this team could be really, really good, and I'm going over nine with the Buffalo Bills. So if – for two years, he hasn't taken a step. Why would we expect him to take a step in a third year? And by the way, confirming, Fez is right, minus 3.7%. So about by almost four percentage points, he completed less passes than he was expected to, fifth last amongst quarterbacks. Why this year? I just think there's some, A, better weapons, first of all. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, better weapons a lot of times equals better results for a quarterback. And That's the argument with Brady, not being as bad as his numbers last year, right? So, yes. Okay. And I just think there's opportunity. Not everyone develops in that first year. Look, Buffalo wasn't very good when they drafted Josh Allen. That's why they had the pick to take him so early. They've developed as a team. They have the continuity of a head coach, offensive coordinator that have been together now for four years. I think there's a very good opportunity to believe that they will take a step forward. And that's one of the things we're going to do at the front of each of these teams. If there's a big COVID factor, we get to that quick at the front because it's going to feel repetitive. So we'll make it quick. But there are many teams or more than a few, I think, with big COVID effects. 
And this was one of my five predetermined passes. More I hear this, more I like the over. But I'm going to stick to my list. And not just because Steve's on the other side. It just feels like McDermott, when you have a coach that good and that underrated, I think there's a sense that, oh, the Bills are a, a, a team that's getting a lot of love. Except their total is nine. Right? It's not like anyone's all excited about this. So maybe that's an interesting question. If Josh Allen has the exact year, not in stats, but in performance, like let's say Diggs is open more, so he has if he has the exact same performance, does the Bills go over or under? I think I like the over. Would you still like the under, or do you think he's gonna regress? I don't think he regresses. I think they'll be right around nine wins. Yeah, oh, there you go. So cross bet, Mackenzie, you're logging it. So $100 on this bet, and, you know, obviously it's over 110, so the VIG is plus 110. Imagine that. Oh, wait, no, you're on the over. Yeah, I mean, they won 10 games last year with him not having yeah. a good completion oh, percentage so and lesser weapons. the VIG is laying 110. Yes. That makes me happy yeah. for somehow, some reason. I feel good about this one. I really like this team to take a step forward. They have a lot of talent on both sides of the football. Next up, the Patriots. Now, this is the only team, the Pats, the only team, that had the less experienced quarterback in the system get the starting job, Stidham, more experience. Now, the Chargers had no one from the system, so the veteran becomes the more experienced one with Taylor. Every other situation, even Trubisky. (laughs) I mean, MVP Mitch, as they say, the idea that he won the starting job says what kind of biases are towards the incumbent but Stidham couldn't do it. That is, I think, the big COVID factor with the Pats. By the way, the Pats right now, nine under 130. What do you got? So it's all about quarterback play, and I believe the market is downgrading. So what's the pick? The pick oh, sorry, the pick is over the nine. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's about Cam being underrated and Brady being overrated. So the Patriots won 12 games last year. Now their over-under is nine. Now, part of that, of course, you know, some guys opt out and they lost some guys like Van Oy, but that doesn't explain all of this drop. And what the market is saying. So define the drop. Is, are we talking about the drop from last year? Yes, 12 and four last year. Yeah. So now if Brady but comes see, I, back. I think that's too complicated mm-hmm. because, correct me if I'm wrong, the first thing we'd have to do is assess what the record should have been last year. Yes. Right? And then say how much of a down. I mean, this is the whole handicap. What I'm interested in, what was the drop from post-CAM to now, whereas the opt-outs being accounted for. How would you characterize that? Okay, so the season win number before Cam came aboard was right around eight and a half at that point after all the Mm opt-outs. And then Cam comes aboard, a surprise, and the season win only goes up to nine. And I'm shocked by that small of an adjustment when you're still getting big. But we talked about that, Mm -hmm. right? Is they figured, the market figured that Cam or somebody was coming into the Patriots. It wasn't Stidham. So if you know, it wasn't going to be only Stidham. So if you know someone's coming in, I mean, if Andy Dalton would have came in, it would have been an upgrade, right? Yes. And maybe the market wouldn't have moved at all, and people would have said, huh, Dalton's not better than Stidham? No, the assumption is, and Matt, you understand these markets as well as anyone, if, you know, efficient market theory says all known information is built into the current price. It's fair to say right before Cam came on board, known information said there's a real chance that Stidham won't be the only real quarterback with Hoyer, you know, with Hoyer 
and thus when they got one, it had to be built in, right? It wasn't some shot. It's almost like if a team fires their coach and then they hire somebody and we're like, hey, how good would they have been without a coach? His coach is not No, the assumption is a coach was going to come in. Do you agree with that with the Patriots and the lack of Cam movement? Originally, it was figuring a guy like Cam was going to come in. Correct. I do. And we haven't seen any real movement since Cam got there. Because they already, to your point, anticipated that there would be at least an average level quarterback coming in. Yeah, and if I remember, it was like 8.7 to 9.2 with Cam, you know, so over under, because I think Cam was the top end of who would have been the second. But I mean, I guess after Winston got signed, I mean, Andy Dalton's a drop from Cam. I think we all agree. And then we have gone in reverse with these COVID dropouts. I really question if the so name me the top COVID dropouts for the Patriots. Hightower, okay, number one, um, Marcus Cannon. The other lineman and Chung, who wasn't that good, would be the top three. Right. I mean, I'm not saying that it's nothing, but the idea that on one hand Cam, on the other hand, you know, we play and let's be honest, Hightower is about at the age. The Belichick ships him off for a fifth round pick anyway. <laughs> it's I true. mean, I don't know enough to know if how good he was play-by-play, but, I mean, Collins was pretty good. Where's he at? So it feels like there's this narrative, Belichick's finally getting his comeuppance, man. They're bailing on him. From what I gather, and Mike Lombardi has real insight in there, is Belichick is looking at this as a chance to prove himself. And you might say, how could he prove himself? That's why he is who he is. Do you feel like that the reaction to the um, COVID opt-outs is, in hindsight now, maybe a little much. Yes, especially considering the guys who are backing all these guys up are the re- Patriots are replacing them with internal players. So these aren't guys that they're just having to plug in, um, replacement so, so players in COVID, who don't know the system. In COVID, you're saying that's actually – because to me, it worries me saying, well, if, if the number twos are becoming number ones, who's backing them up? Matt, you agree with that? Yeah, I, I think – Trying to say that the Patriots' talent is equal with these guys gone is, is a farce. It is a slight drop-off. At a minimum, they thin themselves out, yeah. right? But the question is replacement level. The theory is there's an unlimited number of replacement-level players out there. And we see it sometimes at running back or kicker. You know, you could <laughs> go example. 90 deep at kicker probably and not be sure that 90th guy's much worse than the, the 15th guy maybe. Sure. Right? Because we see it all the time. It's a guy gets a guaranteed contract and then he's cut. So you're going over. over. And the main reason is, what I mean, if you had to put this all together, what's the main reason? I think the case you made for Cam being much better than the market has given him credit, the way he was playing in 2018, playing better than his MVP year for half of a season, yes. I think that that's the, the number well, one factor. At least in range of the MVP year, he was running the ball. And Belichick doesn't give the cap, the captaincy, I guess you'd call it, of the Patriots away easily. Great point. He, he's not doing that as a self-fulfilling prophecy, as in, well, if we make him a captain, he'll act like a captain. That means he impressed Belichick. What's your pick, Matty? Slight lean to the Patriots over as well. I do think part of the sheet. factor has to sheet? be. I think we talked you on to that one. <laughs> no, I just don't have anything. Uh, <laughs> Look at the sheet. Uh, it's like a haven't made up my mind yet. I think I actually have a P next to it for a pass. Well, what, which one do you want? Do you want the pass? or Because either one's fine. I'm going to take the over as well. You convinced him, Steve. 
Fast, fast, fast. Well, I just think the other problem is I think the market's uh, overrating Miami and the Jets, and then if you add in, if they sweep both of those, then it's tough not to win nine games. You should see the look. Um, we're actually taping today. We might have or should have some videos, but Fez has this self-satisfied look on his face. <laughs> I am Elma J. Foot, millionaire. I own a mansion and a yacht. You look like you do. <laughs> like an ascot kind of thing going on. I like the over. Remember, let's get this straight. So this is a, a three, or this is, we all agree on this one. I'll be something to log too. And the no big line right now, nine under minus 130. So, Maddie, we're each going to do a best bet here, and the Bills is your best bet. So, I got that right, correct? Yeah. So, I mean, I thought you made a good case, but we want you know, you want another minute or so? You feeling good uh, about the way you laid it out? No, I feel good. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, you're fading him on his best bet? Yes. So, what do we want to do three on that? Sure. Sure. Boy, Fez, you're caught. What happened this weekend? Maybe it was one of those 50 days this weekend. <laughs> he's feeling he's feeling loosened up. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I love that laugh. Tag that laugh, Maddie. Hollywood Matt. Okay. That was a good laugh. You know, it's hard. If you try to if you say laugh, it makes yourself it's like hard to get a good laugh. I gotta get one of him chuckling. And then every time there's like a plane crash or something, we can just play it. <laughs> plane crash. You know, it's like a <laughs> You know, the 200 the, people yeah, died. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's what they used to do to Jackie the joke, man. Oh, that was tough. And Fez is not the joke, man. Okay. So, Fez, you've got your best bet in the NFC East. I've got mine in the AFC South coming up. Okay. Third team here, the Dolphins. And just today on Labor Day, Peter King shocked the world. Ali style, but he has the Dolphins winning the East. I'm actually jealous because we were looking through at long shots. Let's say better than five to one. So not, you know, Detroit doesn't count. That's everyone's uh, long shot. Matt, we've been, you were three years ahead, Matt. So let's give you credit. Yeah. If we didn't disqualify Detroit, that would have been my best bet. Just like every year. Yeah, Detroit over. And again, I'll have to understand what's causing that, but uh but there is a sense Patricia has his team coming again, and we'll talk about it. But amongst the other ones, these are the long shots available. So better than five to one or bigger payoff. Dolphins, eight to one. Jets, eight and a half to one. Bengals, 26 to one to win the division. Jags, 25 to one. Chargers, eight and a half to one. Broncos, 10 to one. Boy, I tell you, that might not be so bad. Raiders 12 to 1. Giants 15 to 1. I kind of think the Giants could. Washington 23 to 1. You agree kind of on the Giants? Possible? The potential of the defense. The the offense obviously is, has some explosiveness. Yeah, with Jones. Um, Falcons 9 to 1. See, I would like the Falcons because of what we, and we'll talk about last year, how the second half of the year, but you got to be better than the Saints and the Bucks. That's, let's be honest. Who's the, let's say the Saints are the better team because over-under says they are. Who has a better second banana mm. than the Bucks, right? So the Patriots, Bills, Pittsburgh Ravens, Colts, I mean, nothing. Oh. Chiefs, Char, I mean, 
Cowboys, Eagles, I mean, with the O-line, no way. Vikings, Packers, Saints, Bucks, 49ers, Seahawks, maybe. Seattle's yeah. probably eh. number two or Pittsburgh. Yeah. So so to me, you got to go – you got a heavy uh, – and, and, again, it's like in baseball. If a team's five games back but there's three teams ahead of them, it's so much tougher to pass all of them, right? I, I would love – you swap out, like, Pittsburgh for the Bucks, and I'm not high on Pittsburgh, really – I would say Falcons. They second half of the year they played as well as anyone almost. Certainly six and two. But and then finally we got the Cardinals eight to one. I think of all of these, is it that hard to imagine that Josh Allen is what Fez says and they win nine games, and Belichick, you know, Collins right, Belichick's you know trying, but it's, there's nothing there, and then like a nine win Dolphins team wins the freaking division potentially, and you're getting eight to one. God darn it. Peter King had a good pick. What do you like when it comes to the over-under on Miami? And right now, Fez, let's get the update here. That is six over 110. I am passing this one because I like Peter King's analysis that the Dolphins have a high ceiling. I really think the Dolphins are undervalued based upon that horrible September last year. Remember how awful they were? I remember you were saying they were tanking. And those stats go into the year-long stats. So it looks like the Dolphins were a terrible team, but the last three months of the year. So why not like the over then if there's that bias? I, because I'm concerned about Fitzpatrick, and they may well whoa, move whoa, to whoa, two. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I love Fitzpatrick. Where's Fitzpatrick in your, your 15th. Court? 15th. I love Fitzmagic, and my concern is the Dolphins are sailing along. They're 5-6. You five love Fitzmagic, but you're going under 6. Because. The Dolphins are five and six. So if you knew for a fact that Fitzpatrick was going to start every game, oh, this would be an enormous bet on the Dolphins. So over. you're really effectively betting they're going to replace Tua or put Tua in at a point in the season where it's a downgrade. Exactly, and that's why I'm passing. Pretty savvy. What you got, man? I don't like that analysis. All right, well, I mean, Fitzpatrick isn't getting benched if the team is playing well. Let's start there. So whoa, Fitzpatrick's going to get benched because they're not playing well. Okay, but wouldn't you agree? That teams are playing for this year sometimes, and they're playing for next year sometimes. Sure. And when does that change happen? It's different on each team, but at a certain at a certain point, we do see the young quarterback go in. So, what was it, Washington? Who did um, Haskins replace? Was it Keenum? Yes. I mean, does anyone think Keenum was better, or Haskins was better than Keenum that first game or that second game? The theory is you got to get this guy in there, right? But why did he go in? Because Washington had a terrible record. No, but if you only got to go over six wins, you don't have to be doing that well. Uh, or that, let's think of it this way. You don't have to do that well to potentially still go over six, but it's not well enough to be competitive for the playoffs. Yeah, you're four and six, Maddie. So you're feeling good about your over six. Oh, not... Yeah, now that Tua's or, or, coming in. Let's say four and seven. Yeah. Now do you go to Tua? Right, I think we can agree we can't predict that will happen for sure, but there are times the teams could still go over. The, the Bengals, what was their over-under last year? It was probably like four. I don't remember. It was bad. Trying to remember. It wasn't good. I think it was four and a half yeah. over. And I can promise you when they sat Andy Dalton for Finley, Fez celebrated, but no one else did. Right, but did they think Finley gave him a better chance, or they're figuring Andy Dalton's out the door? We're not paying him seventeen next year. So, would you agree that happens sometimes? But in this case, you just don't feel it, or how would you say? I I just think you know I th I thought it was a little contradictory. I, I get the idea of changing it four and seven, but the fact that I love it and it would be an enormous bet compared to 
passing, um, I, I like under here. I think this team is built well for the future. They did a proper rebuild in the sense that they got rid of veterans. They acquired a ton of draft picks. They drafted well. They've established that they have some talented players at a multitude of positions. And if Tua can come in and be the quarterback of the future, they're very well positioned for 2023. But it's 2020. And I still think the Dolphins, at one of the youngest teams in football, are a long ways away. I mean, over six seems simple, but basically over six, even if you just get to seven, you're one game below 500. I'm not sure Miami's quite there yet. And I think that you're going to be able to get plus money on that under six. Well, right. So just to be clear, because we, we did the market, is right now it's six over 110. Is the no big. So over 120. Uh Plus 100 is going to be the consensus out there. All right. I have a slight lean to the under six at plus 100. Okay. Well, luckily, slight leans are. Yeah, picked. sure. I'm in. I'm going over. To me, I agree with Maddie in the fall. I agree with both you guys. I'd rather have Fitzpatrick the whole year. I think he's from Harvard. I don't know. Is that right, Steve? Ivy League. I'm, I think it's Harvard. I know it's Harvard. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Number two. I mean, you don't hear that's his name, Fitzpatrick from Harvard. Yeah. yeah. Number two. Just because Northwestern's not in the Ivy League, don't act like you don't acknowledge it. Lord, imagine that Ivy League. Oh my God. Wearing my Northwestern shirt. Is that from when you were in high or college? <laughs> oh no. Okay. <laughs> that's an ugly purple, ain't it? Mm. Ooh. That's their color. I, that's what they chose. Yeah, it, it wasn't forced upon them. I mean, listen. You know, we're not going to get off on it, but <laughs> what's your thoughts right now? Just give us a percentage chance Big Ten plays football in a way that's competitive for the national title. Uh, sixty percent. Sixteen or sixty? Sixty. Ooh, that's high. Because they could push back the CFP three weeks and allow... I'm not sure Clemson... I mean, Dabo's already out saying he doesn't want that. We'll see how, how it plays out. Mm -hmm. 40. That high. Here's the problem, though, if they don't. So say the ACC, SEC, and Big 12. At this point, you're saying, hey, it's three votes to two. We're saying we're not pushing it back yeah. and allowing you in. And plus, it's Ohio State's the one. And at right? the end of the day, they put this committee together to keep out. You know, that's why undefeated UCFs can't make it, because the big boys are keeping the little boys out. What's going to happen if UCF goes undefeated this year and there's no Pac-12 or no Big 10 entry? Suddenly, we're setting the precedent that these guys are worth allowing in. And God forbid they get in there and win a game. But do you think that the big boys are purposely trying to keep... I think what, what, what I could say... And you understand this dynamic more than me. So I'm going to be the outsider here saying... If it was a two-loss Alabama, undefeated Central Florida, they want to make it clear that Alabama team is better. And thus, that's why they pick them. I agree with you there, but do you think if there was clearly a non-Power 5 team that was one of the four best, they'd want to keep them out? Or they'd look at it as, yeah, maybe we split the money weird this year, but it makes us look good. You know, like how strong is that a, a, an iron gate? In a way? I mean, how much of a gatekeeper do you think the, the big five are? Boy, it feels like an iron gate. Think of all the undefeated, the undefeated Boise, undefeated Tulane, two times in a row, undefeated UCF. By the way, that first undefeated UCF, you could talk about motivation or whatever you want. They whipped Auburn 
in the postseason game. Mm-hmm. And that, that was Frost last year, right? But, I mean, it's oh, it's, it was an unmotivated SEC yeah. team. They whipped them. <laughs> yeah, but remember, Hawaii, do I remember right? Hawaii whipped Alabama. I don't, I don't ever remember oh, wait, no, Hawaii no, no. whipping Bama. No, Al- I think Hawaii got crushed, but then there was um, – Boise maybe State Utah. beat Oklahoma. Oh, I was remembering Utah. Yeah, Utah. In the Sugar Bowl. Yeah, I think it was Utah. Okay. Boy, it is funny how that motivated. I mean, I still remember Miami went to Reno. You know, you get those where you could just see those players. And it was uh, 2017, 18. Yeah. Okay, they were 12 and over before the Fiesta laws. Oh, this is UFC. Okay. Yeah, we had that. Okay, cool. Um, so you're saying if – if the Michigan Ohio State win or whatever isn't viable, all of a sudden it makes more viable a team from from the non-power five. That's right. Hmm. I just feel like, from what I heard, and Feinbaum's the one that said this, and we'll move on. The the Big Ten new guy was um, Evan Warren. Okay, was egregiously deceptive in the eyes of the SEC's guys, as in. They had a call apparently, and I'm just repeating Feinbaum here, that morning, and then like four hours later, the Big Ten said no out of conference. That was that first kind of domino. And why didn't he share that? Is he wanted to make a splash. And now they're trying to make him pay for it. So I don't know. Plus, it's what I said, and and I will say I was playing right on this because from what I hear, it's even worse. They're getting crushed in recruiting the Big Ten teams. Because why would you want to go to a place that's saying this doesn't matter? We, we'd rather prance around and hot dog around. Guess who shows up for no reason at all to get his grandstanding and hot dogging in? You, man. That was recorded from the SEC private meeting, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, I mean, I think they want to make him pay. Why not get, you know, when you got your opponent down, you keep your boot on their throat. Wouldn't you say there's a factor there? Maybe. Yeah, it's going to be fascinating. I still don't know why the Big Ten had to make a decision so quick. They had three weeks. I think both the Pac-12 and the Big Ten, if they could have done it all over again, obviously would have given themselves at least another week. But the funny part is there was the Sunday release press, not press release. Saturday Mac. Yeah, Saturday Mac, but then Sunday it came out that tomorrow morning, you know, Big Ten's out, Pac-12's out, and everyone went crazy. They delayed it till that Tuesday, a day, and then that's when they said we're done. Like once you started getting the bad feedback, why not? Because they said at that point they had three weeks is about the amount. Why not wait? You know why? Because it showed into if they waited, it showed indecision, which meant there's nothing that an administrator likes to do more than say, that decision's been made and cross their arms. And then you could say anything you want. They're just going to, you know, dead eye you. They love that. That's their freaking blue wall was that. And they wanted to do it. Oh, there is. That's a closed matter. That's a closed. It's like until there gets to be enough pushback and then it's open. And I think there was a lot of sense too that, but I don't know why the Big Ten would do this and, and the SEC not care as much. But these players were getting, you know, if you look at the high state quarterback, you look at Clemson quarterback, it was a sense of like, oh, they're becoming power brokers. They're on Twitter and they wanted to quell that, right? And I think part of this was not wanting the players to, not unionize, but collectively bargain in a way. And a lot of skeptics, last thing on this, a lot of skeptics, I'm going to ask you, Matt, 
were saying that trying to stop the players from gaining power because they're not getting paid. How much of that do you think has to do with the way all this has gone? I don't know. I mean, there's already a big lean. Name image likeness is uh, is already pushing more power to student athletes than they've never had, both fiscally and from a leverage standpoint in terms of what, you know, what kind of deals can I get by going to what spots and getting playing time. And But does that give them more leverage or less? Aren't they being bought off in a way to say, accept this, you won't have to eat mac and cheese, but pipe down other, and now all of a sudden they got something to lose if they if they yak, right? Or if they're yapping. Potentially, I mean, COVID and NIL are both extremely volatile and uh, you and, know fluid NIL? situations. Name, image, like. Oh, okay, okay, cool. Yeah. And if you had to guess, when would they a player start receiving money? You think with the name? Oh, it's going to be this season. Some of the states like California already have implemented laws that where they can get some uh, types of endorsements on their own. Okay. Okay. Interesting. So that that would be for this season. Yeah. Well, that's good. I mean, to me, obviously, if there's a way to do it, and the and those making billions shouldn't be eating. Well, they're doing fine with their eating because the training tables there are like you know Bellagio buffet. But still, they shouldn't be struggling. They shouldn't have trouble getting back to their hometown for Christmas, right, or whatever. Sure. I mean, that's what it takes to make me like on the you know oh poor players. It's like. You know, it's Christmas. You can't get back to your hometown, Steve. How could you support that? <laughs> I'm asking. I. You just don't care. I, I just want to win bets. <laughs> That's the basic. Matty Holt has a more holistic way of looking at things. I'm R.J. Bell. Okay. Uh-huh. So we are going against, or I'm going against Maddie on the Dolphins. Last thing I'll say is I do think about the Dolphins. Matt, you make a great point. You got to know what you're betting. So for the rest of this pod, we are talking about the season. So an example is Pittsburgh. Good offensive line, old offensive line. The chance of Pittsburgh getting injuries on the O-line, getting tired. I would much rather play the Steelers in week, let's say, four. Let's give Big Ben. You know, if I could... I don't care who they're playing. If I just didn't even know, that'd be a thing to do next year, maybe. What is the peak week <laughs> yes. for each of these teams? Not even counting who they play. Because the Dolphins, you would almost say week 17, except what happens if two is in there. There's a lot of factors, right? Yeah. And I do think the Dolphins, uh, and I think this is part of what Peter King said, uh, he thinks they have a better chance to be a dynasty than the Chiefs. I mean, that's that's a statement. I don't know about that. <laughs> that depends on Tua's future, and we yeah. get to see him throw one single pass in the NFL. I mean, I think, look, anytime someone like Peter King comes out and makes a big, bold statement like that, it gets press. Mm -hmm. But I haven't heard any of the really diehard football analytics guys I've heard back any of that. <clears throat> I agree. And I think part of this is I don't know if Miami is going to be so in this – Kind of goes with your under. I don't know if Miami is going to be so worried about winning games, meaning they want to win, but they're not going to sacrifice the future to win. If Tua get, let's say Tua is the better quarterback, a little banged up, they're going to sit him, right? And I think Carolina is going to be in that situation for sure. And now, who needs preseason more than the youngest team in the NFL? Yeah, I agree. I agree. And the O-lines, and that's going to be a reoccurring theme to me, is O-line takes cohesion. If you don't have, it's hard enough with, 
preseason games and full uh, off-season workout. Miami's a big upgrade on the O-line, but they haven't worked together. Jets. Now, let's agree to the following. Another O-line that's been upgraded. The cohesion's going to be an issue there. And it's I don't know if you guys heard, but... Um, Sam Darnold uh, is a, um, I guess, a survivor of mononucleosis, and <laughs> and you can't grade anything about last year at all, even before he had mono. You don't know if it was dormant, so don't grade him, all right? Because he doesn't ever get criticized. It's part of the union deal, I guess, if you're in the media. Now, I, with my national radio show five days a week, six Eastern on Fox, I'm not part of that union. But I think everyone else is. It's over under six and a half flat fast. I like under. You mentioned the brand new O-line. And I got to wonder, how is Darnold going to start this season with all these issues at wide receiver? Now, the Jets wide receivers are lousy already. They got Crowder and they got Mims and Perryman. Perryman they pick up from Atlanta. Well, Perryman's not going to play week one. He's injured. Now, they lost a key guy, didn't they? Yeah, Robbie Anderson went to Carolina. Exactly. And he was easily the best of the receiver cores. But they bring in a rookie, Mims, and they're high on him. He's got a hamstring issue. He hasn't practiced at all the last well, couple weeks. Well, rookies aren't a team high on when they draft him. Right. Fair, fair enough. Correct. Yes. So You're usually high on your wife the night of your wedding. <laughs> so, so now I've, I've got um, Sam Darnold getting used to his new O-lineman throwing to Crowder, and I don't even know who else. I think that this could go south fast. I'm on the under Jets, under six and a half. Great point is what happens, think of each team, and they had a three-game losing streak, and their season-long goal is very unlikely. Whatever that is, let's say for the Jets, nine win, you know, I mean, realistically, does the team crumble? And to me, if there's a, a top three potential, if things go wrong, they crumble. Think about the, the Patriots. So many times they even won the Super Bowl, but they had a three or four game run that you'd be like, is this it? Is it? Yeah. I mean, years ago against Kansas City on that Monday night game, it's like, is this it? Brady, they won the suit. Why? Because Belichick on to Cincinnati. I don't think the Jets have that with their coach. What do you got, Matt? You know, every time we get to another AFC East team and he's not betting over, I like my Bills bet more and more. <laughs> oh, everybody's going to lose in the AFC East. That's right. Every single game. Well, you're the one that was saying about the Dolphins. So what do you but say? He didn't like over. Yeah. Uh, this is a pass for me. I do like the fact that, look, they, last year they had a new coach, new coordinator on both sides, offensive and defensive. They're all back this year. So you expect – that year two for offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, and head coach, that there would be some better continuity and some better understanding of the system. And let's face it, the quarterback situation was really difficult last year. Because Mono. Of, well, you had multiple quarterbacks. You had a bunch had, that had to make. Well, they're back up behind Darnold. You had three. Was about about yeah. as bad as you can get. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So who was the number two? Simeon. Simeon. Oh, yeah, that was bad. Yeah. So you're saying the whole season-long stat stuff blended in. Yeah, but that, that lends you towards the over, doesn't it? Yeah, but uh, it's the Jets. And their offensive lines, they open with Buffalo, so that's a loss for me, obviously. And uh, I just it's a pass for me. You know what's funny? I mean, they never really said where Darnold got mono. Have you ever been accused of doing something you didn't do? Well, it happened to me in Mexico City. 
Not saying that's the case. <laughs> All right, so if you had to take a, let's do it this quick. If you had to bet someone with your own money now, it doesn't have to be an underdog, it, to win the East, Bills plus 110, Pats plus 145, Dolphins 8 to 1, Jets 8.5 to 1. Patriots. Bills. Patriots. All right, Ravens over under, second most in, or tied for the most with the Chiefs, 11 and a half, under 110, smidge of the under. What you got with the Ravens, right? This is one of my passes, RJ, and the Ravens, they were really playing awesome the end of last year, covering game after game after game. Why? Because they had an unprecedented offense with Lamar Jackson. He was number six in the league in rush yards gaining almost seven yards per play. That is just unstoppable. You think about moving the chains. Now, the big question, and I can't answer it, how much is Jackson going to run this year? Is he still going to run for 1,000 yards? If the answer is yes, I would say I want over 11.5, but I have to have concerns about that usage. You're saying they might choose not to run him as much. And he might not want to run as much because he made the active decision a lot of times instead of going out of bounds, Mm, cutting up the field. If there's one year he should run, it's this year. Because this after this year, he can get his contract mm. after three. You think he really wants to pull back? The, if he, he'll almost match Mahomes. If he has the same year and running the ball, you would figure there's more consistency as in if he, you know, he didn't get slow, right? He'll get, what, $350 million, $400 million contract? I mean, 20% sure. less than Mahomes? Yeah. But if he has a year like his rookie year, might not even pick, I mean, they pick up his 50-year option, but he could leave the league after another 40 mil. I mean, I would say this is a high-leverage run year for the Ravens. Yeah, but what if, he, for, gets, what if he gets injured? You can't bet unders because of injury. Right? You, you didn't even say anything about the injury. You said his propensity. Yeah, well, what if he's in the back of his mind? He's thinking to himself, well, well i got to make sure I stay healthy these well, last six we've gone, games. I think we've gone over that, yeah. right? Is I think he's, that risk is worth – now, now, listen – if he's had a really good year and he can have a few lesser games and it mm. blends into the year, maybe. But for, across the year, I think it's hard to be. But, again, it's the highest win total. Colin has him 16-0. and 0. What do you got, Matt? I got a slight lean toward the under here, and I think part of it is that the division itself is better. Pittsburgh's going to have more stability in the quarterback position. I mean, <laughs> let's face it, we can't predict injuries. Everyone says Big Ben's more likely to get hurt, but we can't predict injuries, and because of that, we have to assume Pittsburgh has a more stable situation at quarterback with the defense just as good. Cleveland's going to have less injuries at wide receiver because they're healthy to start the year. So in theory, their offense could be better, and their defense is still above average. Cincinnati we don't know of, but everyone gets to whip them twice. At the end of the year, I just think because Pittsburgh and Cleveland are better, if they go 11-5, and five, it's not that huge of a drop-off. Um, yeah, I'm going to go a slight lean under. Okay. Fez under 11 and a half. No, I'm neutral. Oh, neutral. Pass. You did a lot of talking for neutral. Yeah, and he's already <laughs> used, what, four passes? <laughs> I, well, there better I mean, be some sure. bets coming. That, that is interesting. How many have you passed? Two. Out of four? Four or out of five? Out of four. Well, this is the fifth. Fifth, yeah. Maddie says under. Over, RJ. Didn't he pass the Jets too? Miami Jets? Jets are under. (laughs) He he probably double talked. Like that, probably. I was clear. Jets are under. (laughs) Okay. So you got action on uh, over Baltimore. All right. And my rationale is simple. COVID 
what's it going to do? It's going to hurt the offenses in theory that are timing-based, that are, you know, delicate. Oh, it's a little out, eight yard, the wind's blowing. Oh, we didn't have a preseason. This is smash mouth football. It's like an option team almost or veer. Uh-huh. So what's the defense's problem? Tackling. Well, against some of those, you know, lollipop uh, efficiency or, or let's say detail-driven, timing-driven offenses, yeah, you got to tackle, but a lot of times they're going out of bounds. A lot of times they're kind of catching a pass and dropping to the ground. I think that it's a perfect storm for Baltimore early. One, how, who knows how Harbaugh and the rest of that, those offensive coaches that are very pedigreed at Baltimore, how many new quirks they, and little wrinkles they got together at a time when they had more strategy time? This is what's interesting to me about this COVID offseason. The coaches actually had more time, and that's why I think KC might be good or even better because you got Andy Reid just sitting there eating donuts, got his markers out, got white powder on his face, but it's from the donuts. <laughs> I'd be funny if Andy Reid was like, like overeating and doing like lines of, you know, something, let's say. <laughs> I mean, it'd be like he's all hepped up, but he, it just causes him to eat more. And it's, yeah. So, <laughs> Chris Farley. Yeah, that's interesting. You would think generally, no, I mean, obviously not like. I can't believe you said that. No. Well, you, I, <laughs> what's the vision when you talk about someone eating? You know, no, eating. I'm joking. It was right on point. Yeah. I was saying it was so on point. It made me uncomfortable that I brought it up to start with. <laughs> but I think those kind of teams are going to be really uh, – or the kind of teams that have great football minds, again, like Belichick. Now, the question is the new ideas – do they need to be practiced a bunch? Because if you have to implement them, when do you do it? You don't have time. I would make the case that it's a variation on a theme with Baltimore, that they change one thing with what the tight end's doing, and it can change the whole defense. What do you think? And it's a small sample size, but someone that used to work for me at Cantor that now works for Pro Football Focus said that he thinks that Tennessee may have laid the blueprint on how to beat Baltimore. Again, it's one game and they beat him. So what was the what was the uh, defensive approach? Did he explain it? I forget. It had something to do with shadowing uh, Jackson and then covering Andrews, the tight end, and making him throw to wide receivers. And because he's inefficient there, he turns the ball over more when he has to try to throw the football downfield to receivers. Um, so why only a lean? You should love the under that. No, I just look, I think they have a lot of talent and a great coach, but at the end of the day, what if Tennessee did lay the blueprint and they could go 11 and five, have a great season and I win. No, you're right. You're <laughs> right. I agree. I just think, and again, it was my thought that this year was going to be this prior year was going to be a great Ravens year. I thought early in the season, remember, and, the, and against Miami in game one, it looked great. They were much better in the second half of the season pre-playoffs. I think the Ravens get another iteration. It's a perfect storm for them. Next up, Steelers over under nine and a half, under 110, under slightly fast. Yeah, I like the over with the Steelers. Steelers go eight and eight last year. I know they won some uh, close uh, games. Uh, 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 They're six and five in so close you listen, games. You're listening to the whoa, 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 whoa. Look at the games. See, this is where when you say uh, less than eight points in a database, just look at the games. They won 
more close ones that they had a real chance to win than they lost by far. Yeah, well, and they won games. I think you bring up a good point. They won games they should have lost, like the Indianapolis game. Mm-hmm. I think the Rams game were and the, the two. And the games when you score a late touchdown, you know, like the Eagles were a close game against the Patriots in the Super Bowl, but it wasn't. Yeah. And, 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 and in the long run, that all evens out. In 16 games, it does. Minka Fitzpatrick is not going to get 90-yard defensive touchdowns twice this year, more than likely. It's a good point. But in terms of, like, YPP, they were 4.7 on offense, 4.7 on defense. So, statistically, they weren't far from a 500 team. And they did this with Mason Rudolph, who was the lowest-rated qualifying quarterback, and Duck Hodges was even worse. So if Big Ben can return and just be an average quarterback, Pittsburgh will have a slightly above-average offense and an elite defense, and they should be able to win 10 or more games. I mean, listen, if if Big Ben comes back, why only a slightly above-average offense? I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, Le'Veon Bell was the last Big Ben full season was 18. Le'Veon Bell wasn't there. Uh, so, uh, Antonio Brown's gone. He was already gone in 18. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. That was a year I think he was Jets. sat out. Oh, he sat out, then went to the Jets. Yeah. 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 But I guess there's been two years. So, he was out two years at that point because he had to sit out year, I guess, in 17. 18 with the Jets, 19 with the Jets. Now he's the third year with the Jets, I think, at Le'Veon. Yeah, you know, does, does Juju stay healthy? But those two young wide receivers, Washington, I Name escaped me of the other one. Really good wide receiver. So you got a good Deontay point. Deontay Johnson. Yeah, I mean they've Wait. got a high side certainly. How good can you be if if your quarterback has the worst QBR in the league? Right. Yeah. I yeah. Mean, I mean, we can't say the playmakers were. All, I think that's Antonio. Remember, there's nothing harder in. I don't want to say in sports, but maybe to go from being the number two receiver to the number one, because now you're getting either double teamed or the shutdown corners sure. on you. Other, in the other situation, you get the I – mean, imagine always getting the easier – and who has two shutdown corners, right, Harley? So it's like – it's so hard. And I'm not sure – I mean, are we sure that Juju is a true top 15 receiver in the league? No. So if you don't have – you know, to me, that's the question, right? Running back-wise, you know, the O-line's a couple years older – and Juju with multiple concussions. While we can't predict injuries, the one thing we can say is you're more likely to get a concussion after you, each time you've had a concussion. And more likely it lingers, at least in a yes. way that they don't play three, four, five weeks at a time. So what's Correct. your pick? Uh, you know, I almost wanted to pass this one. I do have a slight lean toward the over here as well because I went Baltimore under. I can have four to have Pittsburgh over. I don't think you could take every team in this division over. Um, but I do have Pittsburgh under with Baltimore. Uh, I mean, Pittsburgh over with Baltimore under. Under for me. I feel like Tomlin, I don't know what the parlance of the day is, shot his something. And to me, oh, that's fascinating. Mackenzie on it here today, or at least on this one. Juju in 2018 had 89 yards receiving per game. 1946 yards. I'm not sure, Steve. That's almost half. Is that how your math works out? It is. Yeah. Is that you got your abacus with you? <laughs> Always. <laughs> your little pocket abacus. <laughs> you know, I mean, maybe I'm stupid. I just have an adding machine. Yep. Now, how much of that is quarterback? Here's something else with Big Ben. How did Big Ben do? against the Patriots when he was healthy in week one last year. Awful. 
How did he do in the first half before he hurt himself against Seattle? Awful. So it's going to be about 20 months since Big Ben looked good? It's about the toughest 20 months you can get going from, what, like 37 to 39? And he might be in shape now, but when you spend like a year looking like Grizzly Adams and like being 340, you try to take that weight off, you're going to get, I mean, give him credit, he got it off, but, I mean, you know UFC well, and I know that's really losing for the weekend or, you know, for a fight, but you keep ballooning like that and then coming back down, it takes the energy, I mean... It doesn't seem like that's... It's not a, physically good for you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I do got a feeling, give Tomlin credit. When this team, he is a under... He should be coaching. A, he might have been the worst profile coach, as in, where does he do the best? Tomlin's stat, I don't have the exact number, but in his career with Pittsburgh, when the Steelers have an under 500 record, so everyone's down you, right? 0-1, oh 4-5. He had like, a, I'm going by memory, like a 78% winning percent. How does anyone do that? It's like your team's proven to be worse than 500 and you win like almost 80% of your games. He's a hell of a motivator. But look at the last time Pittsburgh was in the Super Bowl, even in the Super Bowl, 2010, you had a decade of Big Ben, what, eighth, ninth best quarterback ever to walk the earth. You have a decade with one of the, or five years with one of the best offensive line. Or I think even... I mean, Pouncey was there in 10. That was his rookie year. Eight years, baby, with a great offensive line. Le'Veon Bell. I mean, think about it. Antonio Brown might be the best receiver of this generation. But I, I think as a performer, as in let's not think about his height, where he'd be drafted, but like performance, he's right there. Top five. I mean, Calvin Johnson. It'd be hard to argue Calvin Johnson, but... but See, that's the Calvin Johnson would be the exception. Calvin Johnson was so good. No, no, I agree. I know he's with the Lions, but what I'm saying <laughs> is, how long has it been since he retired? Like six years. Yeah. So let's say since then, it seems like to me, every year there was always, you know, let's give Jones some credit in Atlanta. It was kind of like Jones, Brown, and maybe two other receivers. And then the next year it was Jones, Brown, and two other receivers. And let's just say this. It's hard to say Brown's worse than the third best, let's say, Jones and Calvin John of the last decade. Sure. So you got the you got one of the top 10 or 12 quarterbacks ever, got a top 10. Oh, so here's the stat. When Tomlin has a – the Steelers have a losing record, they're 70% against the spread, 70% straight up. They're 23 and 10 straight up. When they have a losing record, that's amazing. That I mean, right or wrong? Yeah. I mean, because it's like, imagine you hitting 70% of your bets after against me after being proven you have a losing record. <laughs> and correct me if I'm wrong, Tomlin's never had a losing record, right, for the season, right? So he's that's always right. been bounded back. Yeah, yeah. It was a long time. His first seven years, he like only had two games he was ever under 500. And then, so give the guy credit. I just don't think if they're – not that they're front runners here – but a lot of optimism. I've heard of people with Steelers to win the AFC, like a lot of people, you know, more than you'd expect. Yeah. I don't think this is Tomlin's role. I know I went longer. I'm going under, so I got two bets against you guys. So it's interesting. I got over Rave. I mean, I guess in division. So, Maddie, is it as simple to say this about divisions? Since you're playing six of your 16 games in division, 
kind of hard to be really high on all the teams are really low. If you are, you're gonna you're gonna lose money if you start going every team over or every team under. You better start thinking that a third of their games are against each other. Um, I, I had this as a pass written down, but because we had a bet on I took Baltimore under, I also thought that you know if Baltimore is going to go under, that probably needs they need to split at least with Pittsburgh. So I'm happy. That's Maddie Holt. I'm R.J. Bell. This is the one and only, only time this year preview. We're talking about the season. Remember, if you're not subscribed, we're going to have the Hour Power or also called the Power Hour, a.k.a. Uh, we're going to have the to-be-named Deep Dive Pod. We got this one this week. Who knows what else? Subscribe. Subscribe. And it's free. And it helps us. The numbers actually subscribe and helps us. It's a way to show you care about the pod and keeps us motivated to keep it not just going, but going with vigor. The Browns. All right, the Browns right now, Fez, flat, eight and a half. What do you got? I like under eight and a half. I have to worry about how the Browns. Oh, Jesus. You're, you got one thing you're supposed to talk about, and you're leading with your worry? Why do you like under? Because Stefanski loves to run the rock. He's a conservative coach, and look at all these skill position players. Beckham, Landry, they bring in Hooper at tight end. They got Chubb and Hunt at running back. So you're saying they're too good. They're, there's only one football. And mm-hmm. these are guys who have complained in the past, oh specifically Beckham and Landry, about not getting the ball enough. And I think it could be a real issue with the Browns. Not if you're winning, right? If they're losing, if they're winning, boy, that's a weak. That might be the weakest handicap I've heard is you think they're so good. And the, the number's only eight and a half, right? So if they're so good, <laughs> what'd you do, McKenna? You're laughing so hard, you're like like chest bumping the mic? <laughs> yeah, the mic was shaking a little bit. Yeah, you got to figure <laughs> a way. Like, your mic control needs improvement. Fair. No, no, not fair. It's like screamingly so. <laughs> fair, he says. You think? Let me see. Can you hear this? Can you hear that? I'm just hit. I'm just hitting it. It doesn't sound as loud as him. I'm like banging my mic. And he goes, yeah, maybe. I don't know. Typical millennial. Oh, wait. (laughs) See, there we go. Guys, I'm going to give you another shot. I'm going to let Matt give his. You've already given me another shot. I talked about the. Why don't you like the over then? Because I talked about the organizational aspect of Cleveland always losing. In 1999, they lose. Every year. Every year they lose. 12 straight years they've had a no, losing actually, season. No, actually, you just made it. You actually had a worse handicap. Exactly. So I tried to. <laughs> uh, you know what's great is I can use Fez's handicap and take the over. All right, give it to us. Look at all the skill position players they have. They have a loaded backfield with depth. They have loaded receiving core with depth all of a sudden. And I actually think Stefanski coming over from Minnesota is going to be a stabilizing force to this offense. I thought last year when they promoted Freddie Kitchens to head coach and had to fill that coordinator role that the offense didn't seem to gel. All the reports I'm hearing is that Stefanski seems to be a better fit for this Cleveland personnel than the last OC. And I think this is, I mean, everyone was on Cleveland last year because of how talented they are. Can we all agree that they're no less 
talented this year than they were last year. Maybe even more talented because Hooper adds a little more depth. Kareem Hunt combining with Chubb is amazing backfield. Aren't you worried about too many good players? No, I'm not. I'm just the opposite. I'll go ahead and take too many good players and worry about distributing the football after. I think everyone was on them last year, jumped off the bandwagon. This is probably the year they get. They only have to win nine games. I think uh, this team's so talented. I think they can at least do that. Do you believe in gambling gods? Like when certain things happen, you know, some people talk about bragging if you're winning, you know, is when everyone loves a team and they go under, there's so many people like, like that, that like Steve, though, I think you had the under last year too, because, you know, they never win. And, and no one wants them the next year. It's like, oh, God, no, they're, uh, no. Well, that team never wins. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think it's more that they beat me last year. I yeah. don't want to beat, get beat yeah. again. Virginia the NCAA tournament. Yeah, I mean, to me, you look at the Brown. I mean, let me ask you this. Are they better this year or last year? I'm saying even on paper. Steve. They're better this year. What was their total last year? Nine. But you're saying under eight Nine and a half. over. Yeah. Under eight and a half. And the most wagered on team to win the Super Bowl at a lot of books. I love the over. In fact, I don't do this. I don't um, like that's one thing here. We're, you won't bet five thousand because it would never stop. <laughs> yeah, I think you. I think you show that you believe your handicap, Steve. I think we go. I mean, in between me and you now, we go a thousand on this. No, that's okay. So you don't believe your handicap? I only have five passes. So I. Jesus, how many passes <laughs> you gonna make? And, and correct me if I'm wrong. You gave this as the best bet on SOV. I did. So just me talking against it got you so turned around. You see the perspiration coming down my forehead. I I I got to be honest. Browns might be. They might be my second favorite. Eight. Yep, second favorite. This would be my best bet if I didn't have an even better bet coming up. Okay, the Bengals over under. Oofa. <laughs> go down, down five and a half over 120. I'm passing the bank. Well, how could that be? I, you know, I only have five, but I'm not using my fourth already in the second division. That's my third pass. <laughs> I have them all laid out. We're good. Read through your t- the other teams. <laughs> my passes? No, I want to hear every team what your pick is. But can you write this down? All right, so Bills. Bills are under. All right, Patriots. Over. Dolphins. Pass. Jets. Under. I don't remember this all like this. No, I thought no, the Jets. Th- there's were something like a wrong soft. here. No, it's it's right. I talked about how the Jets do their wide receivers. I got the cluster. Do you, have, do you have this written down? Yep, I'm tracking it. He's right. he's right. This oh, sounded like it did it. All right, Ravens. Pass. Steelers. Over. Browns. Under. Bengals. Pass. What you got, man? I'm a little lean toward the under here. I didn't want to use a pass on this. Obviously, for for COVID These reasons, are forced bats. We accept I know, yeah. On all so I mean, level. obvious. I think rookie quarterbacks should struggle with no preseason. I mean, they need the extra reps. If nothing else, not they just need the extra reps to learn in NFL style offenses. And because of that, it's it. You have to assume that the Bengals' offense will. Str- but I don't hate the Bengals' roster if, if AJ Green really is healthy and Tyler Boyd, Boyd and Joe Mixon. The offensive line can't be worse than last year. It was so bad. So I, it's not that I hate the Bengals. I just feel like the rookie quarterback's going to struggle so much extra uh, for obvious reasons without the preseason. That under five and a half and. 
We have to assume Pittsburgh's a little better because of the stability. We all said Cleveland's better. We all know Baltimore's tied for the the number one team in the uh, in the entire league with their over under of eleven and a half. That could even they're going to be big underdogs in those six games. I mean, you go zero and six. How do you get to six wins? I have to yeah. go under five and a half. Okay, I agree. Uh, my default is typically going to be go over the low numbers. I know. And I think it's both COVID this year and I believe in hindsight, we'll say the Bengals have the worst coaching staff of maybe the last decade in the NFL. As this has become professionalized even more so, you look at the pedigree. I mean, this is, I mean, remember now, this is a guy that got the job because he cut the grass of the Rams coach McVay. (laughs) I mean, it's really that tenuous, not really, but almost. And at least from what I can see on the field, I mean, by far, I mean, it's not even close. Worst coach in football. Would you agree with that, Faz? Yes. And what illustrates like Zach Taylor, there were several games. Well, last I, year. I was going to say that replacing Andy Dalton, but you agreed with that. But go ahead. The I'm thinking back to games where the Bengals are losing by 30 and they run Joe Mixon literally 30 times throughout the second half. When do you see that from an NFL team? That's like what a college. That's what UTEP does when they're playing Texas. An NFL team doesn't just give up. Yeah, in the third I think quarter. we got tape coming off the field. Girl, you better give me a contract next year because why would you burn <laughs> the guy's legs even right? Especially if you're planning on signing him. I thought that was a good signing. Mixon I think is underrated. Yep. All right. I I saw a list. Just last night, I was looking at some uh, O-line lists. Since he, this list, and the guy seems savvy. I don't know enough to know. I don't remember his name. Uh, worst offensive line in football still still this year. Okay, so I, boy, if you like under Ravens, you got to like the Browns plus 550 to win the division, right? I do. I think that there's some potential value there. Yeah, Bengals 26 to 1. Okay, the AFC South, Colts. Plus 120, Titans plus 165, Texans plus 350, Jaguars 25 to 1. What you got on the Colts, Fest? Colts under nine and a half, all about Phillip Rivers. Struggled mightily last year, and the narrative is oh, now that he's got a great old line. No, he's bad. When, when he spends most of his one minute talking why he's not crazy, you know he's lost. No, no. No, you never start. If you go back to SOV, like like you were so and then you you were bragging about I don't know how your uh Milwaukee Bucks numbers going right now, but you know, Matt, something What's that three to one to win the series? Three to one to win <laughs> the NBA finals. Oh, the title. And like for months he was going, Yep, gave it to you guys three to one right now. <laughs> plus two twenty-three. Yeah, yeah just a consensus, but uh, we got value. How many times do you say that? Nine? Seven and a half. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. But you were all, I mean, your 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 chest was so puffed. In all the five boroughs, I'm known. I'm known all over the world. You, you your chest, you were like, mm, I like under coats. And then you were talking how the line dropped a little bit. So it was like you were like, yep, I bet it at 9.1, and right now it's 8.95 or whatever. How are you feeling? 
well, I'm not feeling as good with the money appearing on the Colts to go over. And I get it. That what did, old what line. What did I think? What did I think? You mentioned that old mentioned. line. Yeah, you talked about that old line quite possibly being the best in football and how important old line and continuity was in a COVID year, which is a great point. Mm-hmm. I'm sticking with my Philip Rivers. I didn't like anything I saw from him last year. He's always shot putted the ball a little bit. Oh, so, and- so, so what you're saying is your rationale of anti Philip Rivers could have applied. His during his whole Hall of Fame career. No, just in re- oh, it just you, you in- said he always like the Browns never win. Philip Rivers always shot puts the ball. I was going to say he always had a little bit of a shot putting motion, but uh-huh. he really appeared to lose arm strength last year, and now he's a year older. I'm going under. Doctor Steve Fezzik says under. I, I hate to say it, but I agree. Ooh. You know, for a guy who had the fourth most passing yards in the NFL last year, 4,600 passing yards for Phillip Rivers, he only had 23 touchdowns and 20 interceptions, the third most interceptions of the NFL. We talked about it with Jameis Winston, how those interceptions cost that team so many games. Same thing with the Chargers. He's a year older, and you're right, that arm is dead. I have some real concerns about their ability to win nine or ten games with Phillip Rivers as quarterback. Over for me. I, I think you've got a great coaching staff. The more we see the Eagles without Frank Reich, the more, you know, remember, Reich was calling, I think he was calling all the plays, but his third down stuff was outstanding with Wentz back with the Eagles that Super Bowl year. And, and obviously post-injury there with Foles. I think you've got, you know, Colin loves the GM. So, I mean, it's a little biased when you hear it. But guy seems to be, I think this team's trending in the right direction. And I think team solidarity, a sense that we're on a longer mission than this year, could really serve a team well when they have a bad, you know, some da- a bad run. I mean, you look at the Colts. This will be my last thought. Nine and a half, or let me see here. Nine and a half under 20. Is that right? Yeah. Boy, that's high. I don't like that as much as nine. When did you, what did you bet it at? Under nine plus money. Oh, God. So you some fake number? No, under nine plus money is worse. Oh, under nine. So it's up to nine and a half? Yeah. All the money's just steamed against you. You need huh? to win 10 games for that to go Ooh. over. That's tough. I know. In a tough division. I want to bet against his original number. But listen, I can't possibly be on that handicap. The Fez just had. (laughs) So I'm under uh, or over. All right. Next game or next team. Titans, second favorite here. And they are, wow. Look at the distance. Titans eight and a half over 20. Yeah, like the over on the Titans. The Titans are an undervalued team. And the reason? That's why you like overs, Tim. The first six games, Marcus <laughs> Mariota. Mariota's a horrible quarterback. It'd be funny. It's like, I'm going over. <laughs> I think they're underrated. And the Titans were a bad team with Mariota. You know, with under Tannehill, this team really played well, seven and three. And then obviously the great playoff run with three straight solid games, including the loss against Kansas City, where they ran out of gas in the fourth quarter. Is that what it was? They ran out of gas? Well, the, the, the block of work where you win at New England, you no, win I at agree, Baltimore. But why did yeah. you have to add the ran out of they gas? They lost at Kansas City and they yes. didn't cover. They didn't Thank cover. God, well. just say it. Fair enough. Two out of three. Good game. Size matters, Fez, sometimes. Bottom, say it. Bottom Accept line, this, this team, the Titans, was playing like a 10-win team at the end of last year. Now, I get it. Tannehill had a career year. Tannehill was playing 
as a top 10 quarterback and he'll regress, I still think the Titans uh, can win nine. Could, yeah, I think you're right. It ain't, that's the beauty of having the right number, right? I got the wrong number on the Colts. They could do okay, win the division, and still lose You know, nine wins. In this case, they Tennessee could win nine, not win the division, and go over. Nine's that much of a valuable number. What do you got, Matt? I like the over as well here, and I thought – I love the coaching staff. I don't know that, that Ryan Tannehill is going to be anywhere near as efficient as he was during that seven wins he had during the regular season in that 7-3-1 and three one for the Titans last year. But I love Rabel and what they're doing with that coaching staff, and the fact that the players love Rabel as well means something to me in a COVID year where a unity could mean a little bit extra. And I think if the pieces come together on offense, everybody talks about Derrick Henry – A.J. Brown could be a legit number one receiver, a top five, top six guy in the league. And you add tight end Jonu Smith, which a lot of people are really excited about. If Ryan Tannehill just plays close to the efficiency levels he had last year, this is a really good football team with a really good head coach. I pass this one. The more I hear you guys, the coaching side, I I mean, I'm just bucking that run. When you have a team... Remember, Tennessee was a far from a short thing to even make the playoffs last year. Um, I mean, late in the year. Had to win the last game. Yeah. yeah. So it's a good point. And if they hadn't made the playoffs, how different would this conversation be? But they did, and then they won some games. Now you could say that's proof. It is. But you know what? Same quality team could have somehow lost one more game, one bounce of the ball, and that's why I don't let records – over influence me within a range right if a team wins 14 games they're good right they lose 14 they're bad but really eight and a half i'm talking myself like it was a stupid pass eight and a half directionally i'm this is what we talk about all the time fez i think there's just a tendency when you don't have a great feel for something you think direction instead of truly what the value is as i think about this i agree with you guys but i have fidelity when it comes to this stuff. So I'm sticking with what I wrote down. I'm taking one of my passes. Both you guys like the over. Continuing, this is my best bet. Texans. Okay. Eight, eight, oh, seven. Yes, this is not a misprint. I don't know if this gives a hint or not. This is not a misprint. Now, we've got the over-unders in a list. The only teams below the Texans are the Raiders. Garbage. Huh? Lions. Maddie's team, Jets, Oof. Dolphins, Giants, Panthers, Bengals, Washington, Jacksonville. You're telling me that you read up that list and the next team's the Texans with what? Fourth best quarterback in the NFL? Over, baby. Love it. Best bet over. And I think about this. Seven and a half flat. When's the last time a top five quarterback you know, a couple years breeze with historically horrible defenses, won seven. Ask ourselves, what, what could happen other than Watson get hurt that they win, let's say, six games? So a game and a half below, it's hard to even comprehend. I'm actually passing. I wasn't asking. I'm doing my oh. best bet. I don't want to hear your pass. <laughs> Jesus, we know you're passing. I mean, you've proven that. Seventh pass, nineteen. I've got my. (laughs) But I'm confused. You had a best bet on this. The NFC should be interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very times. Yeah, you you had a best bet on this, Steve. 
I did. During the SOV. It's September 7th. Uh-huh. This is a work uh-huh. in progress. It seems like that any, I might have to start holding. Are you going to make me deny the audience my insight because you just change right to my position? Go, go ahead. No, no, no. I'm talking about where I'm going to have to start holding stuff back so I can get some real bets with you. Uh. Let me, did you really have a pass written down there? Yeah. But it's a, <laughs> it's a coincidence I said beforehand. Oh, yeah. Did you write down before I said what my best bet was going to be? Yeah. Eh, BS. I don't even want to hear from you. Matt, what do you got? I, I like the over here, too. And, and yeah, I and know you did strong. before, yeah. so I'm going to accept that. Yeah. And Brandon, I think the Brandon Cooks coming in is going to help fill that void by DeAndre Hopkins. A lot of yeah, people but, talk but about concussions there too, right? Yeah, uh, but, but I think one of the weaknesses they've always had with Lamar Miller, and Lamar Miller was okay, but they had nobody behind him. Was depth in the backfield and the ability to run the football, and you know Lamar Miller had some ups and downs. But now you have David Johnson in the backfield. You have Duke Johnson. You have some real depth in the backfield now, and not a great contract, but. For this year on the field, good depth. Yes, and what were you going to have to pay Hopkins? I mean, what is Hopkins going to get? In yeah, but in that case, it's a, to, to me, and I'm sorry to interrupt, but, but it's part of this dialogue, I think, is people are judging the Texans because of some bad I think the Tunzel contract's bad. Yep. The trade is bad. Yep. I think the Hopkins trade is bad. I don't think they got better by the Hopkins trade. Everyone yeah. would agree they did not get better. And they didn't really help themselves financially. That's the, At least this year they didn't. Yeah. So... I think everyone's judging O'Brien as a coach by being a bad GM. Here's the team, and you've got a top-five quarterback. And the O-line did benefit. And someone else, I've been trying to listen to a lot of O-line stuff, made a great point. The old-school left tackle blindside thing is kind of, it's not as big as it used to be, but when you have a mobile quarterback, that blindside is vital because that's the only thing they can't escape is the blindside, right? The theory is you don't know... So, but you can't run if you can't see him. Yeah, if yeah. Wa- exactly. If Watson, uh, I'm sorry, if um, Tunzel can handle the left tackle, which he obviously can, they're paying him too much. Now, Watson, whatever the limitations are on the O line, otherwise, he can, with his skills, address. This team is not a below average team. They just won a playoff game, right? Yeah. Or, or did they win? Yeah, they beat Buffalo. Yeah. Beat Buffalo. They just yeah. won a playoff game. How much worse did they get? Like, like, if we just went through and said, well, where's the losses other than at wide receiver? That's really it. It's the wide receiver losses. How much was Hopkins worth? A half point? He's worth the point. He's not worth a point. He's worth the point. I, I think like he might have been. List. He was so good. He made so many catches that other guys wouldn't make. But I don't that, know about a point, like but he's at least a ago? strong half. Last year, you'd say that? Yeah, even though he didn't have the bit, as many you know, receptions and yards, he just makes catches yeah. that p- other people cannot make. And can Cooks and Fuller stay healthy? Because they're good wide receivers. Well, well, I'm saying if we just take – well, yeah, that would mean they're as good as last year, which means this is the craziest number ever. But let's assume they, they didn't do anything else at receiver. You lose a point, and let's give Fez's – so that's 16 points in the year. So how many games is that? It's half a game. Okay, so what, what, what was there over under last year? Like eight and a half over, eight right? Eight and a half or nine, yeah. I could have even been so nine under. So what's going under. on here? This makes this is just pure narrative, which is what I like to fade. But Fez, he liked it. You like the um, under on this, right? And what's weird is last year Jacksonville was supposed to be more competitive. Foles was going to start the That's year as their new good quarterback. Point. And this year Jacksonville is the consensus worst team in the league. You could say Titans are a little better than we thought, but yeah. 
I mean, what I'm saying is this is a division. This might be the easiest division of football again, right? Just because you got Jacksonville twice, sure. Yeah, yeah. And, but you got no team that's a sure loss. No. I mean, like, is this the – I mean, so far, if you look at – the Colts are the best team in the division, and above them is Kansas City Ravens, 49ers, Saints, Cowboys, Bucks, Seahawks, Steelers, Eagles. So – They're uh, the weakest division tight. favorite. Yeah. yeah. So you got the worst team in football – and the weakest favor. That means you win your home game usually. Maybe you lose your road. Well, half your wins. Fez, you just you just walked out on a best bet here the other way. I was hoping maybe he'd try to get cute and go under. And I've, I've whipped that. You know how, like, there's a bucking horse, and finally yeah. the horse is just sitting there real timid? No moss. That's where we <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next one. Oh, the Jags. Now, this is going to be interesting. You passing? I'm under. Under. Under Fournette. You know, Jacksonville, they're putting up the white flag. The fact that they got rid of Fournette and. With no real uh, financial gain in doing it. It, it made no any, sense. Yeah. And, and, and you look at that and you got two guys, Armstead and Chris Thompson, that are nothing in terms of accomplished running backs. They really, Jacksonville needed Fournette. And he had a fine year with them last year. They're sending a message to the team. Hey, we're looking towards the future. I like under four and a half. Have we ever seen. A quarterback as bad as Minshew go into camp with no real competition. Think about that. Mm. It's one thing if you have two of them battling and no one's any good. They said, nah, we don't need Cam Newton. We don't. I'm not sure if Minshew, I mean, a couple, I mean, he did get drafted in the sixth round, right? Is that right? Yeah. It's a guy that was pedigreed to be drafted in the sixth round and in year two, we don't need anyone else, but they benched him. It makes, I mean, like you said, I'm a skeptic. I think everyone's going to play hard each given week. But what did they gain? So if they got even a fifth round pick for Fournette, now you can say, okay, what did they gain by not? Like, it's almost like after, like, so bucking against the whole tanking idea, the pure tanking, this might be the first pure example I've seen in the NFL. What do you got, Matt? Well, look, a lot of people, and remember the Philadelphia 76ers, trust the process, right? But at the end of the day, the process didn't work out. So, you know, mm. Say whatever you want. It never really worked out. People think Miami— That's an interesting debate. Yeah, people think Miami is the new trust the process. Look what the Dolphins did. They dumped all these high salaries. They picked up a bunch of draft picks. They're this young, exciting team. Well, you know, I'm on the under Miami. I'm not drinking the Kool-Aid. I didn't drink the Kool-Aid on the 76ers. I'm not drinking the Kool-Aid on the Dolphins. I don't like the idea of doing this. I mean, think about He's the players with they all lost. those non-passes. Calais Campbell, AJ Boyer, Jalen Ramsey, all that you know, renowned defensive players they got rid of, all gone. You talk about young teams and COVID with no no room to like develop and get reps. I know it's only four and a half, and you you never want to go under four and a half. There's no possible way I could take the over here, and for the, I think I just have to pass. All that for a pass. I can go under four and a half. <laughs> no, I no, you stick with your picks. All right. I like the under here. I don't, I mean, listen, they don't seem to care. They don't. And here's what I don't get. They got rid of Coughlin, but they have the same coach, right? So when you hit a home run with Jalen Ramsey, you hit a home run with some other picks, and they all want to get out of there. Yeah. If they won't even play the rookie deal out there, how do you ever get better? And then if you say, hey, we made a mistake 
why not change your coach? Why not? It's a weird thing. They're admitting by shipping all those guys out that there's something culturally here that's problematic in Jacksonville. But we're going to keep – we're getting back draft picks so we can draft the next person that's going to be discontented. Oh, the next person to be discontented. I'm so ready with this button. It's just right here on my Someone hand. probably likes it. Yeah. So, I don't know. That's an interesting question. So, not only don't I have any optimism for Jacksonville, I don't understand their path to being better. And this was a team, is it two years ago or three years ago they were in the AFC Championship? Better than 50%. The year that the Patriots faced the Rams in the Super Bowl. Yeah, so, so it was years. literally two yeah. years ago. Think about that. Twenty Last time Big Ben, Jacksonville was the favorite to go to the Super Bowl in the AFC in the second half against the Pats since Big Ben played well. <laughs> mm-hmm. Next. And now we're to the AFC West. Chiefs, minus 450, biggest favorite by far of any division potential winner. Chargers, oh, Broncos, a lot of love there, but 10 to 1. Chargers, 8.5 to 1. Raiders, 12 to 1. Raiders, best fourth team in football. So let's see. Jets, better. Yeah, Bengals, Jags, Washington, Lions. Oh, NFC. So Lions versus Raiders. For the at least based on the odds, the best worst team, Panthers, Cardinals is in that contest. Mm-hmm. Huh. Okay, Fez, we're starting with the Chiefs. And by the way, 11 and a half over 110, no big line. Like the Chiefs over Kansas City, an amazing uh, to have a Super Bowl champion that's underrated, but I'll make the case that they are. Chiefs finished the year 9 and 0 straight up and against the spread. And part of that is the point spread tax wasn't that high on Kansas City. Why? because Mahomes was injured during the first half of the year in several of the games, and that defense just wasn't that good. Then the second half of the year, Mahomes got healthy, and under Steve Spagnola, defensive coordinator, that Kansas City defense went from a below-average squad to a borderline top-10 squad. Casey underrated, and I think they'll be every bit as good, if not better, this year, over 11.5. We got man. I also like over an 11 and a half, and the the injuries were a big factor to me. And you talked about the injuries to Pat Mahomes, but you didn't even mention the injuries to Tyreek Hill, to Sammy Watkins. I mean, they had injuries across the board to all of their star players and still finished the season as strong. It's hard to imagine that they're going to have injuries to Tyreek Hill, Sammy Watkins, and Travis Kelsey again. I mean, everybody can't be injured. Let's just assume they're going to naturally regress back to the norm and be healthier. So so regression in this case is less injury, less injuries because basically it affected everyone on the team last year. Um, And I'm, I'm not as high on some of the teams in the division as other people are. So I like Kansas city over. Uh, I like over two McKenzie. Can you look up that Watson deal? So I think Watson gave back like $5 million for a no trade clause. Literally, it wasn't deferred. It, it was, hey, keep it. You got to I mean, that, that's anti-Jacksonville, right? Yeah. So only thing that causes me pause is, what were the in-game odds uh, each of the times they were down double digits? Yeah, so in the Super Bowl, I believe that they're like a 14% to win the Super Bowl. Okay. And when they're down. But were they down double digits in the Super Bowl? Yeah, 10. Okay. Yeah, and when they're down 24 nothing to Houston, I believe they were like plus 350 in that playoff game. So 
And they were down by 10 against the Titans, right? Yeah, and I think that was another comparable number from, I don't recall exactly, but. If Casey had lost in the uh, division round, how differently would we be looking at this team right now? Yeah, we'd be saying that Baltimore had the better regular season. They it'd, both- be, it'd be like the Saints, but even less so, right? I mean, the Saints, great regular seasons now. Yeah, same, right? as, ba- same as Baltimore. We'd say, well, Baltimore was better over the regular season, yeah. so, we'd, so Kansas City's clearly not as good as Baltimore. They both crapped out in the playoffs. Yeah, now you could say they won, but that's the whole thing, is when there's something that feels like it very easily could have went the other way, but that drives perception. I'm always skeptical. Yeah. But I think there's a bigger point here, which is Andy Reid – this is, I think it's going to be the bad teams are even worse this year and the good teams are even better. I think the, se- the, the separation between COVID is going to lead to that and because of that forced pick, because I don't pass as much, I'm going over. Okay, we've got the next up, Chargers. Oh, my God, I'm so sick of these Chargers. It's like, Maddie, hold on the Lions. It's like all the wise guys talking how good the Chargers are. It's been like seven years. They're not any good. It's like the Browns. They're just not good, so they're not good. What do you got, Fez? And by the way, real quick, over under eight wins under my – oh, no, it's flat. I'm confused, McKenzie. You got Chargers under 110, but then you got flat in the shade area. That's a typo. Should be under. Okay, it's not a typo. It's a mistake. A typo is when you have one letter off. Fat instead of flat. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's a good one. What do you got? Yeah, I like under. Look at the recent injuries to these Chargers, and the market doesn't seem to be paying attention. Derwin James is an awesome. Oh, so we already have excuses before the season starts? Yes. No one got mono, though. <laughs> no, not okay, that bad. Okay, right. so <laughs> Derwin James has a knee injury. He's out for the year. He's an awesome defender. Oh, and, I mean, amazing! And the Chargers have two real, <laughs> the Chargers have two really good wide receivers. He's not Sean Lee, <laughs> Keenum Allen, and, and Williams. And Williams is out for September. So on defense, they lose one of their best players, and on offense, they lose one of their playmakers already. So already the excuses are. Well, coming. What about the upgraded quarterback? <laughs> they, I think that they'll be fine at quarterback, but I mean, it's still not. It's still. But a what I'm grade. saying is, who? Where do you have Philip Rivers in your rankings? One second, Philip Rivers twenty-four. And where do you have Taylor? 30. So there's a downgrade. Yes. With dead arm Phillip Rivers. <laughs> yes. Where you got that? It looked as bad as dead arm Phillip was last year. He did throw for the fourth amount of uh, most yards in the NFL. Wait a minute, you can't go under Colts and bad mouth Rivers and then now say they're going to, you're going under Chargers because Rivers is gone. Well, I think some of it has to do with the dissension. You talked about the Jacksonville Jaguars also existing with the Chargers. Remember Melvin Gordon sat out, didn't want to play for the Chargers. Russell Okun, one of the best offensive linemen in football and ahead of the players union. He, you know, he was head of the players union. Didn't want to play for the Chargers. The mm-hmm. head of the players union didn't like that football team. Decided to retire instead of playing for them another year. They have a similar problem that the Jaguars do, where for for whatever reason, the key players and the the head, you know, the people at the front office do not tend to get along. And prior to a week ago, they didn't know who their quarterback was going to be: Tyrod Taylor or Justin Herbert, who they drafted early. This is a team, when you talk about losing guys like Gordon and Okung, they've lost a lot. I don't think the Chargers are nearly as good as the market says. I like under eight. And in a way, it feels like they're on two different time schedules. By drafting a project quarterback, you know, the theory is in year three is really yep. stuff. But a lot of the, the good draft choices they've made 
are going to need to be, be paid at that point. On, so it feels like it's almost like Pittsburgh's offense and defense. If the defense was this good as it was in 19 and 17, Pittsburgh probably is the best team in the NFL. Yes. But they were a little off. It feels like that in a different way, the Chargers are off. I just, I didn't even think about this. I just went under because I could not go over Chargers. You agree? And yep. somehow, Fez, you agree with me again. You and McKenzie. I guess I'm an influencer at minimum. We've learned to be a better <laughs> listener. I mean, uh, uh, all right. Next team, the Broncos. Now, I'm interested in this because I'm going to go back. I'm not going to say I'm going to watch the tape because I don't do that. I, w- I would like someone to teach me how to do that, actually. And that I could bring out the all 22 and kind of <laughs> say, like, mm, I was watching the, uh, oh, you know, the all 22. But <laughs> I wish I could. I am interested in this quarterback and how good he is because just looking at the stats, it felt like, but I'm a skeptic on Daniel Jones. You know, another guy that the stats aren't great, but there's a sense that everyone's saying, you know, we got proved wrong. It's like, really? But that's the film, guys. They see things earlier sometimes, but sometimes they see things that never show up on the field. Fez, you know, anything you got on the quarterback I'm interested in, the over-under, seven and a half over 110 Broncos over seven and a half. Drew Locke. I like Drew Locke. Four and one in his starts. Oh my god, that's how, that's the depth you're going into. He's four and one. <laughs> four of those starts he played, and it was sunny well, in Denver for three out of five days when he well, started. It's interesting that you say that because four <laughs> of the five starts the weather was good, and he had one horrifically bad. Start. Oh, so we're going to discount that one. Well, I think we put a little asterisk by he only mm. put three points up in Kansas City second half of the year. So we an talked about means we discount it. We don't weight it as much, perhaps. That's what a discount is, right? Yes. And the fact that... But why played, did you resist that word? It's a, it's a perfectly good word. The fact that he drew lock had to play in a snowstorm in Kansas City <laughs> the second half of the year and had a horrible game. Now, Denver, I think, Denver never gets snowstorms, though, right? Or Missouri, where he played in college, yeah. Um, he probably saw some bad weather there. But I do think that that being his one bad game... I'm more willing to give him not a complete pass, but to discount that. I So I'm high on lock, and I like over for seven and a half. Pay attention. Asterisk. Asterisk. Listen carefully. Asterisk. It's always that important asterisk. <laughs> Thanks, Steve, for making that distinction for us. Can Howdy you tell home. me where you have <laughs> Drew Locke in your quarterback ratings? Because I'm interested, because I, I see va- huge variability. Like here. maybe 22 you see his and I saw him as high as like ten or eleven, oh, and I'm like, I was what? saying twenty two was high. I thought it was. As oh well. no, I, I, I mean, I think it will improve throughout the year. Where I do you have him? Thirty fifth with Minshew, thirty fourth. Do you have Drew Locke as the thirty fifth quarterback worse than Minshew in the Broncos? To start going over? the year, to start the year, yes. But thirty fifth, but, but there's not going to be a snowstorm every game, is there? <laughs> no. Then he'll be fine. That wow. is weird, isn't it? It is weird to have them ranked. Oh, he'll be at 19 tomorrow. Don't worry. Where are you going to slide him out to? Just let's do it live. Well, well, Matt, let put- Matt present, and then you'll give us the number. Go ahead. This was a pass for me because I, I think Drew Locke is a real question mark still. <laughs> Apparently. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I didn't think they really got better anywhere. Melvin Gordon, who's already questionable. There's already issues there. I mean, the, depth, too. They got yeah. depth at running back. But but, but that's it. Cortland Sutton. So they drafted Jerry Judy to, to also compliment Cortland Sutton. But, again, it's a rookie, so we don't know. Rookies don't always work out. Jerry oh. Judy was great in college at Alabama. 
I just think this is a team with more question marks. Is Jerry Judy going to be able to be a legit number two in the NFL? Is Melvin Gordon going to be able to stay healthy and fit in in an offense? And is Drew Locke, who has five career starts, actually an average or better NFL quarterback? Steve, where, where, where is he at now I, upon reconsideration? We're going to put him in front of Minshew and Daniel Jones and make him 33. In front of Daniel Jones. Where do you have Daniel Jones at? <laughs> 33. I mean, you're you're out there in La La Land with him. I mean, didn't, I don't understand how you Can you, you name the five people in front of him? Because they have to be non-starters. Joe we, Burrow, Trubisky. So a rookie who is better than all of them. Taylor, Darnold, Brissett. Brissett was like number nine at one point. What was his? Brissett was never number nine. He was above Tom Brady. Guaranteed. Yeah, yeah. And Brady's been 19 like a rock. That was a bad number for Brissett. He's like, no, no. Well, actually, yes, you're right again. No. <laughs> you know what's funny? First Fest had the mythical list, which there wasn't a list. He just had maybe like seven people, not in the quarterback, but, you know, other things. But then it'd be like, uh, you know, like who's worth a point, right? Now you think what, about 130 people are worth a point? <laughs> no. How many? You have a list of, you actually have the list of a point? Hold on. Because I want to see Hopkins on that list is what I want to see. All right, so. RJ, 32 players are worth a point more non-quarterbacks in the NFL. Let me list them. That's what you're doing with your head down there. And I go. McCaffrey, Elliott, Dalvin Cook, Derrick Henry, Barkley, Nick Chubb, Kamara, Carson, Fournette, Josh Jacobs, Joe Mixon. Fournette, the guy just got cut? Yes. Yeah, that seems like maybe not anymore. Well, go ahead. Go ahead. That's a good point. He's worth it for Jacksonville. Michael Thomas, Tyreek Hill, Hopkins, Julio Jones, Mike Evans, Godwin, Allen, Amari Cooper, DJ Moore, Adams, Devontae Parker, Kenny Galladay, Jarvis Landry, Odell Beckham, Kittle, Kelsey Waller, Aaron Donald, TJ Watt, and the Bosa brothers. I think the only one I would agree with was Devontae Parker because he's so young. Yeah, disagree with was Devontae Parker. I don't think he actually moves the line of point anymore. They have a young receiving core, Preston Williams and stuff. But that was a good list otherwise. I thought that was really good. Obviously, Leonard Fournette doesn't anymore since he left. Did he say Chubb? Did I hear him say Chubb? Yeah. He definitely said (laughs) Chubb. He said Chubb. (laughs) In all the five boroughs, I'm known. I'm known all over the world. All right, give one to Steve Fazek. I'd like to see how that list was accrued. All right. We done with the Bronco? So what was your pick on the past? Oh, and your pick? Over. I was torn here. I wanted to be contrary because everyone's on. Everyone's on them. Drew Locke. But you know what? There was that snowstorm. (laughs) (laughs) but But also... They're total seven and a half. So where's the, I mean, if they really, this is, I think, Matt, something we've seen is there's the talking heads and what they think, and there's what Vegas thinks. And oftentimes they're linked up, like with the Browns last year. But here the talking heads aren't really on the Raiders. Or or check that. And we're talking Broncos. The Broncos, the talking heads are on. Colin, this is, you know, one of his favorite picks and all that. But the market's saying, nah. They're a below average team. Yeah. And you pass. An aging defense, a lot of question marks on offense. We talked about it. You know, who, what Melvin Gordon are you getting? Who's Drew Locks? Too many questions for me. Last team in the AFC. And 
just being a Vegas guy for all this time. The autumn wind is a pirate. It's a special team. Blustering in from sea, with a rollicking song he sweeps along, swaggering boisterously. The Las Vegas Raiders. We look at the total here on this Raiders team. Seven and a half under 110. Under seven and a half, best bet. All about the Raiders are going to have to outscore their opponents in order to get to eight wins. And they already have a key injury. Their number one wide receiver, Williams, is out. That leaves their wide receivers unproven rookie rugs with third down conversion specialist Renfro. And with Carr embattled seemingly with Gruden, Gruden unhappy with Carr. This isn't going to help having your number one wide receiver out. I'm on under seven and a half. Well, we should have talked about this ahead of time because that was my number one issue. Wow. Tyrell Williams being out. Look, with so many rookies behind him and the fact that Derek Carr and John Gruden don't seem to be on the same page, that was the one veteran he could count on, his go-to guy, the pure, undisputed number one receiver last year, Tyrell Williams. I'm nervous about how that offense is going to perform, and we know that defense, while young and maybe with some big upside, still has a long way to go. I'm under seven and a half as well. You're under two? Yes. Really? Over. Here's why. Gruden, this is Gruden's built for this kind of coaching job, right? He's, he's in his little bunker tinkering around. I saw at the draft, especially with Mayock, a real sense there's a team. I mean, there's a team here. Now, Colin talks about, and I think he's got a point, when a team changes cities, it can be a distraction, but how much of a distraction is it if you can't leave the house effectively? You know, that's a great point because I really thought this was going to be disastrous for the Raiders with the casinos and the lifestyle of Vegas. But really, you can't get in trouble right now at all. Oh, you yeah. Well, you can try. <laughs> Probably could. And I also think this, and this came from Lombardi, and it's a subtle point. He thinks there's going to be, and there's been the cut down on Saturday, right? That was the final cut down? Yeah. Is, would you agree with this? I haven't analyzed it. That a lot of teams, that most teams had a uh, bias towards older players. That think about it, it's limited information. So let's think you're and high draft picks. Yeah, yeah. So that's a great point. You're not going to make any decision that is bold. You're probably not making it because you got less data, right? So bold might be cut that third rounder. You know, yeah. We, yeah. Right, and bold might be let's take that undrafted free agent and keep him and get rid of that fourth year guy. Who's you know he's only eight hundred thousand a year, but the mat whatever you know is a lot. Uh, and he said that's where he thinks Belichick. He goes in five years, you might look back and Belichick's got three Pro Bowlers that were cut in this offseason and his or in this lead up to the season. And, and Belichick's ability to assess talent, he gets him in there. You know who knows? But here's the irony of it all: Gruden loves veterans. I think that the Raiders will benefit this year because if you think about it, it's back to that idea of do you put a guy in now that helps you win in the future, but maybe he's a little bit less this year. That quarter, you know, we were talking about Tua in that situation. I think that Gruden doesn't, won't be able to stand having young players play in a year where veterans will do better, but the theory is you're hurting yourself for next year and the year after. I think the Raiders suffer 
next year and the year after, but they're going so veteran heavy this year, it helps them. But their offense is loaded with rookies. Well, with rookies? Second-year guys. Two with uh, two second-year guys and well, two yeah, yeah, rookie yeah. wide receivers. But I'm saying that's already been proven. I mean, he's not going to let go of guys that were borderline all rookie team guys. Yeah, Jacobs I, and Waller were pretty awesome last right? year. Right? I mean, sure, I'm saying but they, they, oh, you ahead. lose Tyrell Williams, and now your two number one receivers outside of your tight end, Waller, are rookies. Period. The, but but what I'm saying is if he's I'm not saying that and and I'm not looking and I I got no insight into how good those receivers are so I won't even act well, like well they've it. never caught a ball from Derek well, Carr rookies never have that's right, right. so but, but no I mean he's, I guess it's possible well I think he, right. they did in practice well not like if you like Joe Burrow they might draft an LSU wide receiver that, you know next year no, they didn't. Yeah. yeah but Derek so, Carr has obviously sorry. yeah but 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 I guess my point is this. It feels like whenever there's a choice, because here's the thing, when there's not, it's, it's like someone says, I'm not a racist. And it's like, look, I hired X number of this minority. And, and you look and what ends up happening is when there's no choice, they do. And when there's a, in this case, a racist, and when there's a choice, they don't, right? So if the guy's clearly the best guy, he's a black guy, they hire him. I think, now, again, that's obviously, you know, big things, racism. In this case, I think if the rookies were clearly the right choice, they're going to keep them. But there's going to be six, seven different people that that maybe Gruden went with the older guy. It's going to help him this year. I also think it's a mentality because think about this. The idea of, and if anything, maybe Gruden's right. If you change everything on the team, where you're living, where you're practicing, where you play your games – the people not being rookies makes sense because all of a sudden a rookie's dealing with everything for the first time anyway. So it's a double whammy. I don't love it. I I, I do think there's something about Gruden. Maybe this is, I, I, I would make the case I'm not making a great point here. I mean, meaning the way it's coming out, I think there's something to it, but I don't think it's coming across. So let me ask you guys, and let's accept we're batting. And you're not, your point isn't to make my point, but it is in a way because our point is to get the info out to the listener. And either of you guys jump in. Doesn't Gruden seem like if you made a list of guys to be coaching in a COVID year, wouldn't Gruden be maybe significantly higher than he is as if you would rank your coaches in general? That there's something about all of his experience. There's something about him being raw, raw, that maybe that wears on you, but... He is an enthusiastic person. And I think that what we can't lose sight of is any team with a total below eight and a half or eight, you, they, they're going to have a down point of the year. If the, if the over-under is in dispute, meaning if you could lose it or you could win it, so that means you're going to win about half your games, let's say, right? That means chances are you're not just going to go win, lose, win, lose the whole season. There's going to be a time you lose three in a row. Doesn't Gruden do a better job losing three in a row than most of the other coaches in the NFL? Does that feel right to you? That, that does feel right. And here's a, a veteran coach that also seems to be a flexible coach in terms of being able to handle new situations and experiences. And one thing you didn't put in your handicap, RJ, that I think is significant, Oakland is a dump. 
That stadium's a dump. The training facilities aren't there. Yeah, with the, no fans. Yeah, but that, but that training facility in oh, Anderson, yeah. it is. If when you just, I drive past it when I'm oh, on the strip every point. day. It is, it is the most incredible, spectacular-looking thing you've ever seen. Look, the if players he talked have to you be into flip and I'm happy to take your. No, I still, I still no, am on the. I'm, I'm saying that, that I think here's the thing: no handicaps ever one way. You know that as well as anyone. Do you see? Let's just say this. If Gruden was out and Joe Judge was in. I think it's situational. All right, so Joe Judge is in, Gruden is out. But what if Joe Judge had a good relationship with Derek Carr? So your point is it's the bad re- – but do you – the fact he that – He tried to find any other solution. In fact, bringing in a veteran into camp. Doesn't that maybe inspire Carr? I think maybe it would inspire him if they could have had more time to work together, but they didn't. They had no preseason. Well, but but the two quarterbacks aren't going to work together, right? No, no not pretty, the quarterbacks. Gruden but you, and you Carr. Th- you think Gruden and Carr really are, need extra time after multiple years together? I don't know. Yeah. With a lot of rookies, you need reps. Where do you have Carr right now? I like Carr. I got him number 16. All right. We're going to shift to the NFC. Mackenzie, do me a favor as we're doing that. I heard something that said Carr had his best year and like it rattled off, like passer rating, completion. Let's throw up his pro football reference. And as we're talking about the NFC, I'm going to take a gander at that. And here comes the NFC. 